Your attention, please. Paul and Alex are required to proceed to the gate immediately. What? No way. What is happening here? This is the last call for the Layovers podcast. Really? Come on, man. This is our thing. We got this. Oh, yeah. And we made it. Of course, geeks. Flight 80 to Zurich. 80? Man, wow. That's pretty incredible, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's flown by. Very appropriate. It's flown by indeed. Right? Yeah, there you go. And wow. and we're getting to the point now where we're, we're revisiting uh, old haunts for airports. But that's not a bad thing because this was my first experience of, of the wonderful Zurich airport. You know what? I was thinking, so I didn't check. That shows how bad we are. I don't think we actually ever did it. Really? I've, we've been talking about Zurich because I obsess over Zurich being my favorite airport. And I must bore the audience, you guys, with that. But I don't think it was the name of any episode ever. That's actually. funny. That's funny. Well, then there we are. So we're we're not retreading in this yeah. particular instance. Alex flew to Zurich for the first time. I mean, he experienced the airport, which is why we we're going to talk about it uh, at the end. But you actually experienced something else for the first time. A CS one hundred. Yeah, very, a brief flight. Yeah, but I was very excited to finally get to try it. So how was it? Great. What a neat airplane. So many little things where if if you gave me a, a pen and paper and said, list all the things you'd want if you designed a no-shore hull airplane, that I would have gone, you know what would be cool is if you had A, B, and C. And, and they did. Like, the little screens work so well. Yeah. They work so well. And uh, big, beautiful windows and very quiet and just a, a pleasure to be a passenger in. Yeah, it's, it's a very nice aircraft. The Delta just... Flew so last week or two weeks ago, they actually had their first uh, pictures released with the livery, uh, and now that you know the whole thing is gone about the tariffs and whatever, and they flew I think yesterday the test flight, the first uh, two twenty one hundred, oh, so cool. CS one hundred. So the so guys in the US will be having it. it was, one thing I didn't know is that Korean Air is having some as well. No, I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. It was some article yesterday that was listing who gets it, you know, so Swiss and Air Baltic were the launch customers. Yep. But I didn't know about Korean Air. That's, so, yeah. That's that's great. I think it's going to prove, I think, to be a very popular airplane. I mean, you look at the capacity, and I was flicking through the Swiss magazine looking at their fleet, and you compare the Embraer's in terms of capacity and the, uh, the, the Bombardier, or not Bombardier, the Airbus, and they're reasonably similar. And I think they're, those are both very, very good and, and will prove to be very popular airplanes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're living in an era of uh, small, nimble aircrafts are taking over the world, right? Versatile, yeah, exactly. Very versatile, multi-role airplanes. I was impressed. And I, I, I'll talk more about my experience because it was the first time I flew Swiss, too, which was just made me angry. <laughs> <laughs> Not for the reasons you think it would. Well, well, we'll do that. Actually, you know what? We'll do that just before we reach the airport at the end. So it will be a nice shoe into you going to the airport. How did you get there? So we'll, we'll talk about that. So we're recording today, uh, Monday, October 8th, 2018, exactly two weeks after our last episode. So where have you been to besides Zurich in the last two weeks? Let's see. I've been to Kristiansand, Norway, oh, which wow. was a new experience for me and great, really, really beautiful, absolutely stunning I guess this is yeah, it's a city. It's a pretty big city, about ninety thousand people, uh, okay. and the southern end of uh, of Norway. Temperate, really nice. Apparently, they have a lovely summer there. It was sunny but cool when I was there, but just 
you know, pine forests everywhere, some mountains, reasonably close to skiing. Very popular in the summer for tourists, apparently, and then in the winter for skiing. I was there at the at the Norway Digital Travel Conference, so it was nice Ooh. to be able to to chat with fellow travel folks, especially at the sort of cusp of or the intersection of, of digital and, and technology and travel, travel as yeah. well. Yeah. Very, very progressive collection of people in terms of uh, a, a sort of collaborating across various travel functions, be they hoteliers, cruise lines, airlines, taxi companies, and everything in between. So that was a, a fun experience. And I got there I got there on KLM, which we've both been critical of long haul, but I flew on their, what the heck is their London City, City Hopper, KLM City Hopper. Yeah. Out of London City. And I don't know if you've experienced this as well. The services out of London City, BA, KLM, I, I can't comment on Swiss because I've only ever experienced them out of, out of London City, Alitalia. They're all so good compared to their mainline counterparts. And my KLM experience was the same. It was really, really good. 170? It was a 170 all the way there and a 190 all the way back, interestingly, because obviously I transited through Schiphol. I'm wondering if, I mean, first, maybe they know the audience that flies from Lucy, although it also can be tourists, right? It doesn't have to be only city bankers. But I'm wondering simply that the size of the aircraft allows for a more personalized experience yeah. over like, you know, even a 320, which is not large, but it's still much larger. Uh, I don't know. I Maybe think that that's probably exactly what it is. There's there's that opportunity to spend an extra 30 seconds with the passenger. Yeah. I was in I was in business class and I thought that the the way they did the meals was really good. They gave you this sort of it's a cardboard box. That's, that's exactly what it is. There's no other way to describe it. But what they had in there was excellent. It was it was all salads, but it was it was fresh and tasty and high quality for the whatever it is, forty two minute flight from London City <laughs> to Amsterdam, and then an hour from Amsterdam to Christiansen, it's basically directly north uh, across the water. There, it was the same sort of service, different salad. But a nice, uh, a nice pudding, decent bread, very friendly people, decent um, drinks around. It was just good, and I don't know what what your experience is like. In fact, I think we missed each other in Schiphol by twenty minutes. Actually, we one... did that. We did that a lot in the past two weeks because we also missed oh, yeah. each oh, other in Zurich. In Zurich yeah. Actually, <laughs> Schiphol is one of the few airports in the world where uh, if we pull onto a remote stand, I don't go. Oh God, damn it. Because it, they've got it down. You get off, there's a bus waiting for you, you're in there, there's no pushing and shoving. It just, it works really well. And almost always, if you're on a Embraer with, or I get maybe it's just City Hopper, you're on that sort of stable, like horse stable of, of, uh, of outside gates. The B gates, I think they are. That's Schiphol, I can't remember. Anyway, it just works. You get in there, you go through there. The, even if you have to, to go through passport control, which I did transiting, it, it's, it works. That airport is so 
acceptable <laughs> for transiting. <laughs> you know, it's, nothing is a joy. Maybe Zurich is, but we'll talk about that later. No, but I mean, Amsterdam is very non nonsensical, so it just works. Uh, you know, it's yeah. very Dutch in a way. You know, it's like uh, they don't they won't take any nonsense. It's just efficient. Yeah, doesn't mean that it's always amazing, but it's efficient. And uh, hey, come on, you have the Heineken bars everywhere as well. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I think it was fine, and Christiansand Airport was adorable. It was a single runway, much like Lucy. You taxi back down the runway. And it was right on the water, and it was it was it was beautifully well designed, incredibly sensible. Like they had a kids area, you could see security. Basically, you're bumping into security from the check in desk. It's it's small, but it worked. It worked so well. Everybody was so friendly, even at five o'clock in the morning or whatever horrendous hour of the day it was when I. When I left, it was the perfect little airport, and I I cannot that, wait to go back there. That that kind of reminds me of uh, Bergen. Uh, probably is a similar size airport, like tiny. I'm not being dismissive, is that it, they are just so easy to deal with. Yeah, <laughs> compared to anything remotely bigger. Yeah, and I think you know London City is the different. London, there's nothing adorable about London City. No, no. But it's 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 like the IKEA of of airports. It it works, <laughs> and it works really well. It's like if you're going, you know, they've got one long line of gates. You get on your airplane and you're done. Do I have to assemble my own chair and I'm yes. there? Yes, <laughs> you have to assemble the, the airplane before you get on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I, yeah, so Kaylin was good. I, 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 I've never, no, I lie. I have flown short haul on KLM. Yeah, recently actually, no? Yeah, from Amsterdam to Heathrow in a 737. Yep. yep. And it wasn't, it wasn't great. And then my flight from, uh, let's see, where was I going? Amsterdam to Moscow, also mm. reasonably short haul. Mm-hmm. Not as good. So that kind of, I guess, lends some credibility or credence to my theory about Lucy. Yeah. I, I agree with you. Uh, what I did, I did uh, KLM, was it Paris to Amsterdam? It was okay. I mean, especially because it was one crew that was standing out, but the rest was meh. Mm. And I mean, it was part of the bigger ticket. You remember, guys, it could have taken, you know, EasyJet Ryanair would have been pretty much the same. No, not Ryanair, okay, because Ryanair is not. <laughs> so I went to Amsterdam as well. We missed each other, as you said, but I flew from Gatwick myself, being it's simply closer from where I live. So I flew BA, not KLM. And the reason I chose that specific route is because I knew on Google Flights, it would tell me that on the way back, I was flying Privateer, which is that uh, Geneva-based... Uh, usually they do private jets type. I mean, they do actually private jets, but they have a few charter, like bigger 320s that they are uh, leasing, wet leasing whenever people need them. And probably again, for capacity reasons, BA had needed them. I, I had mentioned a few episodes ago that Ed Parsons, one of our most loyal listener, had been sending a selfie, I think, of him online when he's on one of those privateer. Clearly, his looked better than mine, as in his was more modern, but mine had that feature. Half of the plane, in terms of footprint, was business class, because obviously I think that's what Privateer caters for generally, is more business class type of uh, audience. Yeah. And remember, I sent you a picture, literally, the legroom was thrice the size of the seat, which was a proper lifeline seat. It was really bizarre, because you would have, it was a 2-2 configuration, you would have a pair of two seats... Nothing for seemingly five meters and another PR2 seats and nothing for five meters. It felt like this is for basketball, for NBA players type of aircraft. (laughs) Well, they do a lot of sports charters. And when you sent me the picture, I'm sure it was comfortable, but it looked like they'd forgotten to put in a row of seats. Exactly. Almost that I'd rather have a seat closer. I mean, there was no IFE or whatever, just because, and I know it's bad, I shouldn't do it, but sometimes I would put my feet 
trying to find a way to actually put it on the seat in front of me, not yeah. on the actual seat, but maybe like on yeah, the beginning no, of you the, mean. you know, and yeah, it was empty. And literally, I was on row one, so, you know, the, the bulkhead, but that doesn't mean anything because every seat had a basically almost like a bulkhead That's with that yeah. kind of size. <laughs> and, uh, and literally, uh, there was the, you know, the little thing where you can put the magazines on the bulkhead. I couldn't reach it. I needed to basically stand up to reach it. So I had put my iPad there. That would be my IFE for the flight and to do some emails and stuff. And I couldn't reach it. I mean, so basically That's at the so end, I, I, hid it, I hid it next to me because I wanted to have it whilst we were taking off. So on both flights, so on the way there, it was a normal, uh, I think, 319 or 320, I don't recall now, and on the way back, that premature flight. Uh, and so I spent way more time on the ground than I spent in the air. The pilots on both flights, they were not the same pilots, obviously, said the same. So on the way there, we had to wait one hour on the ground at Gatwick before being able to take off. The actual duration of the flight is like 40 minutes. Uh, so, and yeah. then... Because Amsterdam, you taxi and you taxi forever. So that was it. But on the way back, that was even worse. We had to wait two and a half hours. Two and a half the, hours? Yes, on the ground. Because there were, you know, restrictions due to weather in the UK. Yeah. And I mean, thank God, again, I had a LifeFly seat. Not that I would put it in LifeFlat. And they were pretty nice as well. They also offered us some drinks. There was no alcohol, though. And I was like, oh, come on, private. I mean, there was alcohol when we were in the air, but not... Yeah. On the ground. I like, know that there's what? some regulations about that in in various countries there where they can't offer uh, they can't offer alcohol while you're on the ground, and it, it's something to do with customs and duty as opposed Probably. to you know uh, the consumption of the alcohol itself. Very interestingly, though the crew was privatère, clearly was a wet lease. The speeches, so the, the what they were saying at the PA and the food was clearly BAs. Oh, interesting. So BA basically gave them because it was literally the same, you know, these little sandwiches you get, the same exact thing I would have gotten on BA. So probably they they just replicated. They said BA said, oh, "Here's a package and just deal with that," you know. And the announcements they were making were basically BAs as well. For someone who doesn't care about aviation, in, I mean, you would have seen or she would have seen that it's not a BA aircraft. Yeah. But besides, I would have probably felt that, well, I'm doing the same. So interestingly, because you just gave me a lead and I was not going there now, but um, I was yesterday coming back from, no, two days ago, coming back from Zurich. We had also, again, restrictions on the ground to go back to Ether this time because of the weather again in the UK. There was a lot of fog. There was a lot of delays, actually, for two, three days. In yeah, we, we experienced it, too. Yeah. And there was some winds as well. So anyway, we're, we're on the ground in Zurich. And, you know, you know what they do. You know, they put you all in the plane. They close the door and they say, oh, we have an hour and a half to wait. And you're like, oh, my God, really? And, you know, everybody complains because we wish we could have stayed out. But I get it. You know, they want to be able to be leaving as soon as they have a slot. Yeah. But that time was if one of the first time, to your point, I was in business class, fair enough. The, the guy comes and says, uh, what would you like to drink? And I'm like, oh, cool. And I said, uh, can I have anything? I said, yeah, of course, anything. I said, can I have white wine? Yeah. And I got white wine. So they, were, they were giving for an hour and a half at least two Business class passengers, uh, because I didn't look back, they were giving us alcohol. Wow. And cake. And that's yeah, why ever. Yeah. I mean, I was like, okay, wow, that's very cool. Uh, usually, you know, they give you water or maybe some apple juice. It's fair. I mean, I get yeah. it. Right? I, 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 I'd love to know more about the, the regulations that, you know, and whether they're adhered to or not. Or, or at what point do the regulations stop? Is it when the door closes or is, do you have to be in the air or something like that? It's, it's, 
it's interesting to me, but but yeah, to give me alcohol. So I'm not guys. Of course, when I say that, like it's as if we're very satisfied only because we have alcohol. But it's just that it's out of the ordinary that you you would get usually water and not even peanuts or nuts or whatever mixed nuts, whatever they give you. And that was for me a bit of a standout here. I don't know. And, well, and also I think the other thing that's a standout, and I think I mentioned this to you when you uh, <laughs> when you sent me the picture was. It's an actual business class product. Hmm. You know, you have an actual business class seat. Like you said, it's a sort of life flat, which we always complain about because we never get that in Europe. No, no, that, yeah, that's for sure. Even Swiss and all these others, they don't give you, we have a normal seat with a seat in the middle free, right? There's maybe the 321s by the BMIs, the BA ones. And uh, Turkish, but Turkish is almost like long haul when you fly to Istanbul. You're like flying almost five hours. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, uh, that's a little different. Yeah, and there's no, there's nothing else. No, no, really. Anyway, so still, since we're on alcohol, Lufthansa, Lufthansa, it's Oktoberfest. Again, we're recording on October, so clearly it's Oktoberfest in Munich. Yes, yeah. Lufthansa has actually done something pretty cool. If you're flying, I think, to Munich from uh, Newark, Singapore, or Shanghai, and a few other flights, I don't have the list, but please simply check with Lufthansa. You will have kegs, actual kegs on board. Wow. Wow, what a great idea. <laughs> yeah, well, it's Oktoberfest, you know, beer. So that so, you you get you can you'll get a draft beer. Yeah, exactly. You get an actual draft beer or several during your flight. <laughs> or that <several>. applies <laughs> <laughs> That applies to all classes, by the way. It's not restricted. If you're flying business class, you'll have also some Oktoberfest foods. I think I've, I've written some down here. Uh, ox tartare with truffle, mm. Arctic char with Riesling sauce, and of course, pistachio pesto. I mean, I'm not sure that's actually Oktoberfest. I think it's just a vegetarian option. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, I'm not sure that Bavarians are very well known for their vegetarian options. Uh, <laughs> but, and, 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 and I don't, I think it was only running, you know, because actually Oktoberfest starts at the end of September, I know, I know it doesn't make sense, but I think it's just three weeks of just having beers. I don't think that runs anymore by the time we're recording this, but I think for the first week of Oktoberfest, anyone who was landing in Munich would get deplaning an Oktoberfest treat box. Oh, nice. Including some, I think, uh, anti-hangover treats. <laughs> uh, they're good at this, aren't they, Lufthansa? They they seem yeah. to be extending... They, they look for opportunities to do something different and unique. And if it's for PR purposes, whatever. But it sounds like a fun little thing to do. And actually, yeah. Yeah. as weird as it sounds, that's the kind of thing where if I have to choose between a few airlines that are essentially the same... That's the kind of thing where like that sounds fun, you know. If it's the same price, why the heck not? I'll I'll, I'll give that a whirl. But that's the thing. I mean, the experience in Europe is in mean, pretty much anywhere, but it's commoditized. So that's the little thing that will give you the extra edge you to towards one airline. I mean, of course, we know the miles to stay, status, etc. Yeah. But if you put that aside, like you said, at a very similar price and in a very commoditized environment, would basically for up to three hours in Europe, you'll get probably almost the same service everywhere. Yeah, these are the little things I will say. Oh, why not? Right? Absolutely. <laughs> no, absolutely. I think that that's the, ex exactly the type of differentiation that uh, is is needed especially in Europe, when the product is so homogenous. Absolutely. So this episode is a lot about you guys, because for the past few episodes, we haven't given a lot of shout-outs. Uh, and this episode 80 seemed like a round number to actually uh, give you guys a lot of shout-outs. Not only shout-outs, but also because we've gotten, besides the reviews, we've gotten a lot of feedback. Uh, as always, I know we keep repeating ourselves. We don't have the time to mention all of you, because we're now getting... 
lot lots lots of lots of interaction in this i mean it's great yeah, it's obviously great. we, we love, love it. it but just that you cannot even even track everything actually i'm wondering because i've looked at the stats and the stats only went super freaking fast in the past week or so but there's two reasons first i know that you've been to that travel festival and i know that you had a slide about layover so I probably did. maybe some people actually went on there and i was on a podcast recently plain talking uk hi guys it was episode 236 it was a week ago it's available everywhere you know itunes and and everywhere uh, i think the website is actually plain talking uk.com .co.uk. Guys, I'm so sorry if I'm mistaken that one. So also, they have a, a pretty big audience, actually. And they're very good, man. I mean, they have 236 episodes, and I think they must, have, they must have started pretty much at the same time as us. <laughs> I'm kidding. Wow. Yeah, we're bad compared. Uh, but the experience was awesome. What was really cool is that the episode is actually recorded live. People can watch the YouTube, we don't do that. I mean, we see each other, but we, so first of all, for shame, because you know, people would see what Alex sees every other week, which is the mess behind me yeah, in my office, <laughs> which I was like, oh my god, I need to hide this. I couldn't, obviously. But the, the cool thing with that it was the the interaction because there was there was a live chat and people would ask questions or react to whatever people were. Wow, that's were four cool. of us. Yeah, that's that's really that's that was really nice. It was a very fun experience, and obviously, and I'm sorry, guys, are playing talking UK. They had to add explicit on iTunes because of me. <laughs> because, of course, I swore. <laughs> so I'm really, really sorry, guys. Uh, really fun episode, guys. Take a look at it. And for shame, another shame as well, because they have these... Man, I mean, we're nothing compared to them. They have this live setup where, of course, they can play with whose camera is showing. So if it's you now or somebody else, and they can do the, the, the overlay, like content when we're talking, like pictures and wow. websites. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. And, of course, when it was my turn to talk about layovers, they overlaid our website. And the last episode featured that is 68. <laughs> and we are 80. That's, <laughs> and I was like, oh, my. I was seeing it live. I was like, oh, my God, I'm so bad. I haven't updated a website in 12 episodes. Guys, I'm really sorry for that. But anyway, uh, listen to them, Plain Talking UK. I think it's worth uh, giving it a subscribe because they're... Listen to it, guys. It's a fantastic discussion, uh, Plain Talking UK. And by the way, we are finally layovers. We are on Spotify. If any one of you prefers Spotify over any other app, we are finally there. So that's pretty cool. Actually, you know what? I... I tried listening to us on Spotify. The experience of Spotify, I mean, obviously, Spotify is really good. Subscribing on podcasts and Spotify in general is really well done. Yeah. You can download also the episodes for offline and everything. Uh, there's no reviews there. So, guys, if you listen there, still give us some reviews elsewhere. But it's really well done if you're interested. Or if you just discovered us through Spotify and never heard about us before, hello and welcome. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for listening. And sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're just new you can also learn that what we're asking our uh, listeners to do is to send us a picture of oh yeah them okay. listening to us to the podcast i mean it was at first a little bit of a light joke and it became a thing yeah, and it really very happy. become a thing <laughs> so i was just going to mention the ones i caught hopefully i caught them all there was three. First is uh han chicago so han i mean han has been flying emirates First, the new one, right? I mean, so he's, he's that kind of... He will take his holidays to fly the most amazing first-class products. I love it. He, yeah, I love it, too. I put the context because of this comment. This is not one of my more 
glam flights, but at least I get to listen to premium content on my way to DFW from already from Chicago. So, and he's uh, on United for shame on uh, on a 737, and he puts a picture of our episode. Probably the last one. So thank you so much, Han, for That's this. That's cool. Thanks for doing that. <laughs> then we have uh, Richard Laycock. First time flying this airline. This airline being, what is that airline actually? May. Uh, isn't that Ukrainian airline? The picture is our 79 episode with the um, safety leaflet. Ah. And I see a tail, which is blue and yellow. It's not Ryanair. And it says M-A- why and then the, there's something written clearly in probably some Cyrillic, hence hitting me that it could be something. Yeah, it's, really yeah, you Ukrainian international, you were absolutely spot on. Oh, thank you, Alex. <laughs> so thank you, Richard, for that. So see, we are apparently premium content. We heightening the experience with these guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. And 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 Ed Parsons, whom I mentioned uh, earlier, says. The Canadian special on the way to you listening to the new YVR episode. So thank you uh, so much, Ed, for uh, sending, which seems to be a picture of your iPad, or is it a computer? iPad, maybe. So thank you, guys. It's really nice to just, you know, have our podcast in context. Yes. So thank, thank you. you. Uh, so thank you so much for that. So now a few reviews. Actually, we've gotten quite a few, actually. First one on Twitter from at uh, S. Shocker. I know we mentioned him in a few episodes ago. Mm-hmm. He says, for anyone that loves travel and airplanes, you have to check out his podcast. Just a couple of guys who converse about the experience and share tips and tricks. Check them out. Thank you so much. We appreciate that. On iTunes, the title is You're Both Gems. I'm not oh. sure about that, but thank you. That's very kind. By Zookeeper134 from Canada. So probably someone would listen or discover it through a Canadian episode. Guys, I never thought I would listen to podcasts as I'm always rushing, but the two of you have changed that completely. I can't wait for your new episodes and I can't wait to have the chance to listen to both of you and your stories. I travel a lot and you have put back some fun into an industry that has become very stressful. Merci beaucoup. Oh, that's, that's kind. Yeah, that's really cool. Thank you so much. From uh, Tonu from Mexico. I'm so glad that we're having a review from Mexico. Great show. Like it very much. uh, Entertaining, fun, interesting. Thank you so much, Tonu. I'm sorry, I'm using your usernames, of course, guys. Yeah. (laughs) Fly with Alexandra from Germany. Uh, Can't stop listening. The best aviation podcast ever. I mean, I don't know about that, but thank you really, really very much. She thanks us. I'm assuming she's a she because fly with Alexandra for uh, the experiences discussing the latest industry. Very entertaining. Ha ha. And, <laughs> and what she says what is something that people seem to be doing. And we're always like, oh, my God. I started listening from the most recent episodes and now reached 2015 already. <laughs> listening Whoa. backwards. Did we really start in 2015? Yeah, actually. Yeah, wow. it's time has flown, right? Mm. Um, uh, Spamwise Gam G from the UK uh, exactly. was listening to episode uh, 79 on a Virgin Atlantic uh, Dreamliner to LAX. He just says in the review, I started twiddling with the air vents, which I was lucky to have. And yes, they do feel flimsy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they are. They are. But at they least, are. as you say, at least you had them. And one more for iTunes by JJ Planes and Things from Canada. The only podcast I can listen to. Well, well, I don't know, but thank you so much, man. This podcast is so good that I don't want to listen to anything else. Keep it up. Guys, thanks so much for taking the time to do that. It's really cool. Even if you don't like it, (laughs) that helps us as well. 
Yes. And, you know, please encourage your friends to listen to us. Give it a, a will. You know, that, that we're on Spotify. Peter Johnson on Facebook. Uh, <laughs> the old geezer. He says, uh, I remember Heathrow's runway change from 28 to 27. It was on July 2nd, uh, 1987. And he adds, so far too long ago for you youngsters. <laughs> <laughs> well, clearly. <laughs> Okay, my excuse is I was not living in the UK, man. You neither, by the way, in 1987? No, I was deep in the heart of suburban California. Now, there you go. See, Peter, that's why we don't yeah, that's remember. That's why we don't remember. And also, I was eight years old. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so now uh, we've gotten like, uh, lots, of, lots of feedback, Alex, about your stories. Traveling to Canada, Uh-oh. all everything. No, but... So first of all, there's lots of corrections, and I'm not going to mention everybody. Uh, I think Moore said uh, American Airlines flies 330s to Philadelphia and Charlotte and uh, has uh, Dreamliners with Premium Economy. I think everybody tried, because I got them so many messages for you, there is Premium Economy apparently on Dreamliners, the, at least the Dash 9s. Yeah, that, that's right. Yeah, and because they, have, they do not have it on the eight. The oh, 7878, which is what I flew. John Dlawica adds to that. They are slowly adding the premium economy to also the Dash 8. It's, I mean, I would be fascinated to try it on the the Airbus as well, because that was my first experience of, of American Airlines long haul was a few years ago. I did Philadelphia, Manchester and business. It was great. And I think, I don't know why I didn't go. Maybe I should try this more often. I think I probably dismissed it as ex-US Airways, therefore probably not reflective of the entire experience, but turns out I was wrong. So actually had good experience with our US Airways back in the day. I did so. too. I did too. Certainly not um not short haul and not America West, but you know, America West American Airlines is America West. I mean it was yep. America West acquired US Airways, US Airways acquired American Airlines. To put it incredibly simply. Yeah, yeah, of course. These consolidations efforts are like... Uh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, the the name that remains might not be the name of the actual company that started it all. Yeah. United is actually continental, let's be honest, right? Yeah, well, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And John, who has sent us a lot of pictures of him flying AA, is so happy that you not only have flown and you love AA, which adds to the point that I need to try them, actually. That's good, and I... Because I, I still worry that I'm sort of riding on the, some weird bubble and that I've just been incredibly lucky with my experiences. But if it's, if it's universal, or at least there are other people going, yeah, you're right, that's, that's encouraging. I, I only have one American flight on the radar at the moment, and that's a short hop from Vegas to Chicago next week. But I'm a little bit sad, actually, that, uh, <laughs> that I'm not, I, I, I don't have more because I do have two long haul flights. And they're both with BA. Not you know that 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 is what it is. That um, was supposed to fly to remember Atlanta tomorrow, which is postponed. I almost thank God because otherwise I would have not been in London forever. So, and I was looking at AA because of you talking about it in these podcasts. It was like okay, I need to go AA this time because Alex keeps raving about them. Yeah, I, I, you're, I you're still, an influence. I stand by it. Influence. I stand by it. <laughs> Uh, so one correction uh, before I go on with some other uh, feedbacks. One correction about something I said. We talked about that uh, Maldivian new runway. Yes. And I said oh, yeah. that the inaugural flight, the actual inaugural flight, not that the Air India flight, the actual inaugural flight was a 380. Yes, it was not Emirates. It was 
Etihad. Ah, so really, I'm sorry. Okay, Etihad yeah. did fly the 380 there. They have one. I've flown it actually with a, a ruler is on the side. There's a special livery. It's oh, very yeah. nice. Because it's, it's his year, isn't it? Or the next exactly. Year. The year of Zayed. I'm really sorry because I'm not sure about the name of the ruler. And the cool thing about that 380 when it landed is actually the first officer was Maldivian. Oh, nice. And he actually landed the plane in the Maldives. So it's, it's, it's nice. Come on. I mean, it's really nice. That's great. By the way, if you fly, if you guys fly uh, Etihad, uh, Etihad's uh, T4 here at Ethro T4 Lounge is now run by number one. They changed the name, so it's no more the Etihad Lounge, which kind of shows the state of Etihad nowadays. It's actually, the name is pretty long. It's the house, home of Etihad Airways and other leading airlines. Oh, that's quite a mouthful. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm sure it's great, by the way, because it looks like a pretty premium, So, but shows that, you know, Etihad is not pushing its name forward as much as it used to. Uh, talking about Etihad, and I don't know, because I forgot if we ever mentioned him, Saeed, uh, Saeed Mehiri, I'm not sure I pronounced your name correctly on Twitter, uh, loves our episodes, and he's a cadet pilot for Etihad Airways. He says it's uh, nice to hear that the airline is still doing well. Yeah, it is, uh, Saeed, and thank you, and I hope that you will fly us someday. Yeah. Because we, we really love having, actually, pilots or soon-to-be pilots listen to us. Thank you so much, Saeed. Yeah, so <laughs> now to Canada, not to Vancouver, Alex. Your description of Vancouver had so much feedback that we won't have time to cover everything. I'm so intrigued by this. It shows something which we kind of saw in the stats. We have a lot of people listening to us from Canada. Yeah, well, they are engaged because they all kind of wrote us, whether on emails, on Facebook, on Twitter. Say, <laughs> they, I mean, nothing is bad, but they all, you know, wanted like to make small corrections. So they, uh, I love this, which means you're true AV geeks, guys. First, yes, 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 we know the why in front of all the three-letter names of airports. It's for weather stations identifiers. I think we've gotten at least 25 people telling us that. But that doesn't <laughs> explain why it's why. It just explains the function of an airport code. Okay, so Alex, now you just opened a can of worms because I'm going to go like, I'm going to get 50 messages in the next episode explaining why it's why. I'm going to go just mention the first person that told us that, Justin. And Justin, it's really fun because I believe, Justin, that you've opened the Twitter account just to answer that because you, that just, Justin, you only follow us. And you ever sent only one tweet, and that was to say that. So thank you so much, Justin, for taking the time to open That's a Twitter amazing. account just for us. Uh, <laughs> we uh, actually, and uh, I had uh, James Simpson also mentioning that, but and interestingly, and I didn't know that, I didn't realize that. He says, it's also true for Brazil. A lot of the airports in Brazil starts with the letter G. And I never realized that, actually. Mm. That is true when I think about it, GGRU, et cetera, et cetera. But he says, not all Canadian airports starts with Y. You have ZTM, ZNL, ZVL. God knows where they are. I have no clue, James. <laughs> Alex, I don't know where they are. But you say that they are also airports that start with other letters. Also, NE3. Three, really? Is there, is there numbers in airport? In yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, Alex, you so you say that so um, with so much. The only like, reason why confidence. I know that is because uh, one of the the airports that I used to to fly to when I was learning how to to, to be a pilot was an uncontrolled airport that had um, a letter in its its call sign, which was C Charlie eighty three Byron Airport in Byron, California. So could it be that actually the fact that there is a number indicates it is not. One of major airport, maybe there could be something like that. Very or possibly, just they, read, they read out letters, obviously, but I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think it's um, 
I, actually, it's a good question. We'll have to find out and, and talk about that next time we record. Yeah, or I, I will get 150 messages telling us, oh, yeah, I know why there's a number in <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah th- let us know. I think Alex, we reached that point where you know we had we had a good number of listeners, but now that it's increasing, we basically it's not about being outnumbered; is we're outsmarted. Yeah, clearly. that's exactly what. Okay, it is. now people are like way smarter than we're us. tapping into a much greater source of yes. knowledge. Guys, you are all our airline Wikipedia, so please <laughs> tell us what to say in the next episode. So now, a very very big email by Pat Hosford who's based at YYJ Victoria. Pat, I'm not going to go through your entire email because it was really long, but thank you so much for actually telling us all these details about your experiences. First, one thing that Alex, that not only him, but other people have told us, apparently your experience of having the immigration so packed was a once-in-a-lifetime thing because I even gotten pictures. Uh, one is by Edward uh, Slater at Edward Slater 90 with empty, completely empty immigration. So maybe you were just unlucky or maybe it's a specific time of the day. I think because everybody said, and that's I think I've gotten I think, five messages of people saying, well, usually it's actually pretty fast. Yeah, I would love to know what time of day it was because I, th- I think I looked at the arrivals board in the several hours I had available to me to do nothing else except stand in a queue. And there were a lot of international flights arriving at that time. And it was about mm, just after lunch. So I I don't know if maybe that was something to do with it, but it was, it didn't feel unprecedented, but it did feel unusual. When you say after lunch, does it mean that you think that the immigration people are still digesting their food and being slower? Exactly. That's exactly what happened. (laughs) (laughs) So Pat says that, they are refining over time these immigration procedures. The one thing that he says that is, and the way he says it makes me believe it's not fully clear for passengers. You should be told in the aircraft or when you are on the ground but some staff that if you are transferring passengers, you get a little colored card which will get you entry into a separate and much shorter line up at the customs. So if you're transferring, you have some kind of fast track. There were a lot of people that were transiting and and seemed to be on tight connections that tapped officials on the shoulder and said, my flight leaves in 45 minutes. And the answer was sort of... You know, there's nothing I can, not, they, not they, were, they weren't rude. They were just sort of like, there's nothing I can do. So it did feel temporary and it did feel, like I said, unusual. But the protocols were in place to deal with this many people. Like I said, they had this, if you know Vancouver Airport, before you go down those escalators into the immigration hall, there was another set of queues before you were even allowed to go to that. They were sort of releasing 30 people at a time to go through yeah. from this yeah. this temporary holding pen. So it it may have been a one-off, but it was, um, yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, There's nothing you can what do it about is. it. No, of course. And we all have, by the way, guys, needless to say, all our experiences at every airport that we talk about at each end of our episodes are very like personal and opinionated. Sometimes we've been only once and it was a shitty experience. Sometimes it was amazing. And please call us out. And thank you. So I'll continue. Actually, the one thing that Pat adds, I was a bit surprised you didn't think more of uh, Vancouver Airport. It smiles better than the dump down the road at SeaTac. <laughs> <laughs> Vancouver Airport's way better than Seattle. Um, oh, there you go. See, Pat. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. I, I, my, my apologies for not making that clear. Seattle, uh, well, I mean, you heard my experiences. It was so crappy that the crew got lost trying to get to our airplane. 
But it's again, it's, it's so it's so representative of American airport infrastructure at the moment, bar a few. And it's so nice to see all these stories lately of multi-billion dollar infrastructure yeah, projects. New York. Yeah. New York is especially, and uh, Chicago really needs it. Uh, well, I should clarify, O'Hare really needs it. I've never been to Midway. But yes, no, to Vancouver, uh, it's clear that that's a, an airport that is undergoing some um, pretty substantial investment. But I, I'm not going to wait for that to happen. I still need to go soon. No. Uh, James Simpson adds, I think I mentioned him earlier, at J2 Simso. He actually does experience sometimes long immigration queue in Canada. I think that's why he signed up for Nexus, which gives him uh, U.S. global entry and pre-check for, uh, I think, $50 every five years. Is that kind of be correct? It seems oh, to be very, very low. good value if that's the case. Uh, yeah. And he says five minutes, five minutes immigration five anywhere. Minutes. Yeah, that's the way to do it. I think you need to be American or Canadian to do Nexus, though. I don't think it Probably, although I know that the TSA pre is, and global entry yep. is available now to um, Brits, so jump on that. I need to check if I can do this. I'm still not a Brit probably next year. I don't know if I'm going to ask for the... Maybe, you know... Add to your collection of the, nationalities. To prevent them from, you know, dumping me because of Brexit. Um, <laughs> so, Pat, I'll, I'll come back to your email in a second. It's very interesting. I'll go to Kenny Davis. I think that was on on Facebook. He says that Rouge, so uh, Air Canada Rouge, yeah. is actually not meant to compete with WestJet. WestJet competes directly with Air Canada. WestJet does have its own ultra low cost airlines called swoop yes uh, and the rouge thing was a big problem with a lot of frequent flyers for air canada because they started to put rouge flights on traditional air canada routes without actually basically telling you so you would oh, know you cool. would enter and yeah exactly and you can google getting rouged uh which <laughs> Which is apparently a thing, which means, uh, you know, you getting effed. Kenny adds that I've flown Rouge and I avoid it at all costs. That's, wow. Um, I realized my mistake shortly after we finished recording that when I was just looking on Plane Finder and I saw the breadth of destination that Rouge covers. But it's really interesting to hear about this because I'm still not 100% sure the difference in product and market and price. So if, uh, if you've flown on Rouge and on Air Canada, tell us. Look, you're giving me that because well, that, there we are. that email is... He had his very first flight on an Air Canada Vickers Viscount in wow. the late 60s. That flight was a Christmas light flight out of Winnipeg. It was just uh, flying in circles over the city for half an hour to watch the Christmas lights. That's so cool. And I tell you what, that is the plan to do it because the, the Viscount has huge windows, absolutely gargantuan. If you're ever in London, take the train up to Duxford, which is a lovely museum, and they've got one which you can go inside. There might even be one at Brooklyn's museum as well, where they also have a Concorde. But it's got, it. the, the windows are absolutely huge. So I can see why you would choose that for any kind of observational flight, be it for Christmas lights or enemy aircraft. To me, I know it will sound very cliche, but to me, like, Having Air Canada flying over the city to watch the Christmas light is so Canadian. It's so like uh, adorable in a the very dance, good right? way. I yeah, would yeah. I, I would love to do that, right? I mean, oh my god. Um so he's he's flown a lot with Air Canada and he doesn't like Rouge, he says the seats are awful on Rouge. The fleet is of varying quality. Even he says premium Rouge 
I love these names now. They go <laughs> Premium Rouge, which clearly seems to be like a slightly higher product. He doesn't like the seats. And so he adds that on the on-time performance is pretty good. He's never missed a connection. He cannot really, like, I don't think he disses Rouge. I think he just says it's not as good as our Canada, the mainline uh, product. Yeah, I mean, it is a low-class carrier. But if you look at some of the places that they fly to, it's really, I mean, everywhere, like Warsaw, Zagreb, Algiers, Athens... I mean, a lot of these are seasonal, but it's 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 really rather uh, extraordinary the the breadth of they have fifty five airplanes, Osaka, um, Honolulu. So it's it's seemingly more leisure though. Yeah, I, I and I'm just I reading your so. list. I don't know. So by Nagoya, Nice, Palm Springs. I mean, it runs the it, it runs the gamut. So I don't know what, how much of an overlap it is in terms of destination, but. Uh, Probably not a lot, actually. No. Probably the, the, you know, the, all these main these traditional airlines are trying to lower costs, and they will actually offload passenger to their more low cost structure when it comes, especially to leisure destinations. So Nice is probably a very leisure destination, for instance, mm. South of France or Osaka. I, I don't know. Uh, maybe maybe because you know there's a lot of a uh, lot of Japanese living in in Canada, so maybe they just return to their families for Odon or for other you know holidays. Yeah. So I would gather that the main reason that you fly, I mean, of course, the airline saves money, but having probably a structure that is less expensive, but probably it's more leisure destination. They don't expect as many business travelers. And to be honest, I don't know, but it seems to be the kind of a logic. Yeah, definitely. Thing. That's certainly the 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 premise of the airline at the very least. Last bit about Patty adds that the annoying curiosity about Air Canada is that it's usually cheaper and more pleasant to fly to Heathrow or Hong Kong with them than it is to go to Newfoundland or to the north. <laughs> That's interesting. Pat, I believe it's just competition. Probably there's so much choice to go to Heathrow or Hong Kong from Canada whether via obviously Air Canada, but others by doing a small layover down south in the US or other yeah. airlines that they have to compete. Whereas maybe to Newfoundland, they're, they're alone or almost alone and they can screw you on price and on service and you don't have a choice in anyway. Maybe yeah. that's just that, right? The market does seem um, very small in Canada in terms of choice, especially for domestic. When you look around Vancouver Airport, there aren't that many other airlines, frankly. So I can understand that that might be a bit frustrating. Well, and he agrees with you. You summed it, Alex, pretty well with the f word fair. Was it fair you used? Yeah, Fine. Not no. Fine. Fine. <laughs> Nobody can figure that out. <laughs> we, have you not gotten a, a picture of you saying nice, I think? Yeah, I, I did. I got, I was, I was memeified <laughs> for saying the same word over and over again. But really, it's the best word to describe my Air Canada experience. Fine. This is fine. fine. <laughs> well, thank you. Thanks a lot, Pat. And he had something that the color you were looking for, Alex, to describe oh, yes. Air Canada's livery is toothpaste. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's absolutely perfect. That's yeah. exactly what it is. It's, I don't hate it. It's not bad. But that's the, that's the perfect color. That's exactly the word. Toothpaste. <laughs> I love it. Um, so talking about toothpaste, let's stay in a very similar shade of color. Uh, because I want to have your thoughts, Alex. You're uh, a lover uh, of Hong Kong, obviously, and of Cafe Pacific. You've yep. lived there. It's your heart. Cafe Pacific used to have also a kind of toothpaste-y color. Now it's kind of gone, but it was, mm -hmm. admittedly. Yeah. And... This story that we didn't cover in the last episode, but I mean, everybody's been talking about it. This livery, when they missed the F, and uh, it says Cafe Pasique. Yeah. Do you actually believe that 
such a mistake can happen. Well, yeah, I, I think so. I, I don't know why you would do this uh, intentionally. I think, I think when you have a font that is in certain letters looks very similar in its structure, that it's not surprising this doesn't happen more often. To be frank, I mean, no, I, I don't know because it's it, it seems to me that such a glaring mistake of missing an entire letter on the livery on the side, and you're like these letters in real life are probably what I don't know, like ten feet high, yeah, yeah. like like they're huge. I mean, you know, if it's really a mistake, which probably is, kudos to Cathay Pacific for actually because they are the one who revealed it. They're yeah, the they tweeted, tweeted it out, made some, yeah, which is exactly the way to handle it. Yes, but hence. My question was like, because it got so much good PR out of it, like, did they actually do it? No, I don't think so. No, I, and I think um, if you look at the spacing, if the I was the was also the vertical of the F, then you can see it would have actually fit perfectly. But yeah, someone just wasn't paying attention. I don't know. <laughs> I'd be very interested to know how much a mistake like that would cost to fix. Thousands and thousands. Yeah, and also you kind of block the aircraft a little bit more on the ground. They kind yep. of fly it, and, you know, I don't know. Uh, anyway, similarly, in the UK, but that was not exactly the same type of mistake this time, Thomas Cook. So Thomas Cook created a new club for millennials, whatever, the Cook's Club. And, you know, so you were going to holidays with DJs and cool hotels, trendy, blah, 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 you know, whatever, to advertise this on some of the airplanes and some of the livery. They replaced the traditional Thomas Cook one with, like, this uh, I love Cook's Club thing the only problem is that when the door opens and slides to the side it actually reads i love cocks yeah which uh, again and there's a lot of people saying was that not on purpose because when i read yeah. millennial whatever i think tinder so did they know what they were doing uh, yeah see uh, that's what a lot of people are thinking like did you did you do that on purpose i mean it's very <laughs> aggressive if it is but it was it was Amusing to say the least. I, I can't. Did they did they do the same thing that Kathy did and kind of own it? Ah, uh, this time it's not themselves who put it. It's like some I don't remember who did it. Actually, maybe it's old engine. You know, nowadays you never know. Sure. If it's you and me sitting in front of this, let's do this, and then let's have someone actually take the picture and let someone tweet it with enough followers that I, I don't know. But you know, it's just it's just random. Yeah, fun exactly Whatever. it's not the it's, end of the world it's nothing no but I, I i i like it and again good pr i mean everybody talked about it so we are in uh, zurich for the uh, countries of trains trains for emirates is not something that you would actually link to uh they have added coach shares with Traditalia. if you are using a train in italy you can now earn skyward miles this Mark. is pretty yeah I wish I could do that with uh, like a trains in Switzerland and trains in Japan. Probably in Japan, actually, I don't know. Probably you can maybe do it. Um, so uh, Alitalia is in the midst of all these crisis of money. They gotten their yeah. bridge loan, which again I'm not sure it's legal. And uh, now the bridge loan was supposed to be reimbursed by December, but kind of everything tells that they will extend the deadline because they're not able. And they are forcing, hence the link with the train, the train operator to basically take over Alitalia, which makes no freaking sense at all. It doesn't make any sense. And, I, and this all comes down to, and we've touched on this in the past, it all comes down to they only want the Italians running it, which, you know, they, they rejected Lufthansa, they rejected EasyJet, they rejected... Who else? They rejected somebody uh, else uh, on Ryanair. Those same on Ryanair on those same grounds, and it's sort of cutting off one's nose to spite one's face. Just we want an Italian organization to run it, and 
you can kind of see their point. Of course, but of at, course. but at the to have to say, well, they they do transport. It's basically the same thing. It's just asking for trouble. I just ask. It's just asking for trouble. I think you can put in the same provisions to retain a sense of Italian s Italian s. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's- no, and I think most most importantly, and I know they want to save jobs, and I get it. I mean, really, I get it. And we'll talk in in a minute about another story like that. But should you not like? revamp and like restart like almost like say what you know swiss did after swiss air or uh brussels airlines after sabena and say okay we're gonna regroup we're gonna take only 10 aircrafts nimble with no like legacy product with no uh depth and whatever and we're gonna relaunch because it's 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 a recipe for disaster to say we're gonna maintain the exact same route with the exact same people it didn't work twice they've been they've been They've been in bankruptcy, like, what, three times already? And it's going to be another, like, in five years, not even five years, actually, we'll have another bankruptcy. Yeah. And by the way, they haven't been able, they're still missing, they, they want 20 to 30% of the new airline, whatever, the new, it's still going to be called Italia, to be owned by a foreign entity. They, they couldn't find one, so now they're going to, like, very rich oil countries to beg for money. And um, it's, uh, I don't That's, know. It's, it's incredibly frustrating. Yeah, it is. Because I think Italy deserves uh, an actual proper... They, That's they exactly know. what I was going to say. I think that the people that are missing out here are not just the, the people of Italy, but also the businesses that depend on having a functioning and respected and well-run airline to serve tourism as an industry within Italy. Yeah. And you told me that actually this morning, I didn't read it, that uh, Linate is about to close down yeah. fully. Wow. Yeah, for three months. Well, I mean, they're closing it down for three months because if you've been to that airport, you know it. it it's oh. it's at capacity. It it's really, bad. It's, it's very temporary. They've sort of extended it with these temporary buildings. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, and, uh, yeah. It's, they're resurfacing the runway and they're, I mean, they have a plan. It sounds like a sensible plan. You have to do anything with asphalt and tarmac in the summer so that it cures correctly. So... You know, yeah. it is what it is. Tis the season, I suppose. So you flew to Glasgow with BA? I did, again, with How Steve Clark. I think I told you this. I had probably the best cabin crew experience I've ever had on BA. On oh, the, wow. On that hour and a bit flight from London City up to Glasgow on wow. an E-170. The what, I can't, what do they call them on, on BA? In-flight service manager? That role, I can't remember what they're called, was also looking after the club europe cabin and she was so genuinely friendly and bubbly and enthusiastic and nice and just good at her job that i gave her my gold golden ticket the golden ticket yeah Yeah. for those who don't know this is what as a gold status member at ba we get a little card that you can hand over to someone who's been particularly good or you appreciate a service from anywhere on the ground, in the air, and you have it. Is it still a paper one? You can do it online through your, oh, okay. your executive club account, which is what I did. And oh, like, but you need the name. You need the you name. Which just hand it over. Okay. You, and, you, and you can. You still get a physical one, which I didn't have on me, but I made sure to write down her name, the flight number, dates, and I oh, tweeted wow. it out to British Airways as, as well just to say how good I thought she was. But... It was just, it was so, cause like I said at the beginning of the show, I find those ex- the service on those routes, hard and soft product, really, really good. But this was something else. And in an hour flight for her to to do what she did, which was provide the service. And when she needed to go back and help her colleagues in the in economy, she said, if you need anything, just ding and I'll come. I, it was just, 
It was so good and so impressive and so natural and genuine. She recognized passengers that were clearly frequent travelers on that route and had banter with them during when that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And you could tell that they knew her and liked her and remembered her for her effervescence and her charm. I, it was, it was, I was so impressed. So impressed. Actually, it's something that I wish other airlines would have. Like, of course, you can always ask for the name of someone or mark it down and then send an email or tweet or a customer form or whatever. But that little idea of having a card, an actual something that you can give to someone as a gesture yes. of thanks is very rewarding for that person when he or she receives it. I wish other airlines would implement something similar. I just wish that I would have like almost on the app of BA, something I could press a button and say, here, you know, scan a QR code on your badge or something, and that would be you. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. but, hey, because sometimes I, I, I'm, I'm worse than you, Alex. I'm, I I try, I say, okay, I need to remember that name. And like five minutes later, I'm through immigration. Yeah, that's what my was the name again? Well, which is why I forced myself in that moment to write it down. Yeah, you're right. I should do that because it's really, uh, I've had a similar experience versus I was flying, like I said, at the top of the show, waiting for very long on the ground with Swiss back to Heathrow from Zurich. And the main, the head of cabin, whatever, again, I don't know the names, how they call us either. <laughs> Chef de cabine is yeah, the name in, in French. Right. And I think they use it actually even in German. The person was amazing. And I've wrote down his name this time because, you know, I had like 80 minutes to do it, yeah. of course, because I was on the ground. But I wish I could have, you know, besides just saying thank you, that you were great, having something to give him. More tangible, yeah. I know it seems a bit, but I mean, it's nice. I mean, the person was truly great handling the delays, handling us waiting, handling everything. The, even the PA announcements were very cheery, fun. Uh, they had some banter between him and the pilot. You know, they're blocked on the ground for weather reasons. There's not much There's much they can, can do, do right? about it, yeah. Right? But the good thing is to try to make it a bit more fun and engage once that happens. Well, kudos to them, because I, I'm sure, you know, for them, it's been the probably, it was not the first flight of the day, so it's probably been I mean, maybe the third round already, and it's not fun for them either to be blocked on the ground for 90 minutes, right? So no, 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 exactly. That there's That's not, that's not fun for them no. at all. And I think actually that's when their work is probably the hardest, because tempers start to fray, patience runs out, and that's when you're having to to manage difficult situations well. Actually, when I was on that flight, I told you, there was this person, I was in 1F, and there was this person in 1A, arrived the last on the flight, and seemed to have like a, like three crew handling her stuff. And I was like, oh, is this some kind of like haunts, you know, the highest status you can have on, on uh, Swiss Lufthansa Group, which means you need to fly 600,000 miles Every two years. So that's Oof. a lot of freaking miles to get that. I will never yeah, get no, to that level you. because you need to only fly Lufthansa. I think you can, if you live in Germany, you can, talking about trains, since this is a bit of a theme of this episode, yeah. you can actually earn up to 100,000 miles by Deutsche Bahn, which is the, um, the train system in Germany. So uh, I'm sure that if you're an executive, you can reach that 300,000. Anyway, I, I thought she was, you know, some very important, you know, and then, you know, when we were leaving the aircraft at Heathrow, I was first because I always like to be first out of the aircraft, especially because it was late. I wanted to go to go back home. And I looked back and I'm like, God, 
I know this. I know her. I know her. I know her. And, and for like two hours talking about not writing down names, whatever, I was like in the tube. It was uh, took the Piccadilly to go back home. I was like, who is she? Well, she was uh, she was in Games of Thrones and Hunger Games. And of course, then I was like, oh, of course she had all that attention because she's like some superstar from, she, I think it was, she was at a Zurich uh, festival. Her name yeah, for yeah. those Games of Thrones fan is... Uh, Natalie Dormer, I think she played Tyrell, the, the princess, whatever, in Games of Thrones. I wish I would have sat next to her because then I would have talked about uh, something more fun than just looking at my uh, bad uh, entertainment on my iPad. <laughs> <laughs> so from uh, that to Primera Air, exactly one year after Monarch, which was another uh, airline in the UK, failed, Primera Air failed miserably spectacularly uh, yeah spectacularly I, I mean only like a month ago they were announcing routes to from frankfurt to like newark and mm -hmm. boston and from madrid to also canada and they were putting routes everywhere it seemed to that they would be like bigger than norwegian within three months and then boom bust gone bye-bye yeah and with crazy i i think you know they stranded a lot of people much like monarch did that required uh, the the help and cooperation of governmental organizations, airport authorities, other airlines to to repatriate these poor people that were stuck or had their holidays or honeymoons or or whatever ruined. I think what pisses me off the so so much about situations like this is there's no way they they as an operating airline did not see the writing on the wall. Exactly, that's my biggest problem as well. And did not put any. They just they just drove it into the ground. And it's been interesting. I think actually it was you that surfaced a few of these tweets that yeah. were from cabin crew that were like, we, we got no warning. We had no idea. That and they were left stranded. It seems that Primera Air just disappeared. Like they left literally in five seconds. Oh, okay. We didn't make it. Bye-bye. It, it sounds really, I mean, at least trying to, and, and other airlines were amazing. Wow Air and others took for free some of the crew that were stranded because literally the crew some of the crew were stranded in the US couldn't come back and the planes were impounded actually Stansted impounded one of the planes like literally 10 minutes before the announcement was made because the company hadn't paid the, the fees the ground fees so imagine I mean Stansted you're home because the crew was mostly from the UK but you're in the US you're stranded and the airline doesn't give you anything to go back yeah. and how are you supposed to go back home and other airlines wow it was one that I, I caught flew people for free back home like crew it's really nice that is that is nice and i think a, a ba did something yes i think so similar too. yeah I, I think i think it's a story this airline it was a low cost it actually exists since a long time 2003 it used to be called jetx it was truly a charter airline in the north in scandinavia and what they did is that when they had extra capacity on any of the charter tour operator type of uh, flights, they would sell the extra capacity to the public. And then I think what they said is that, oh, okay, actually, we're quite successful at selling these 10 seats we have extra. So let's turn the model around and let's become an actual low-cost airline and only sell to the public. And I think they started to do that like four years ago, maybe. Yeah. 
which seemed to be working okay. I think the downfall was really when they tried to become a long-haul low-cost, so basically Norwegian, because then they started adding all these routes. That was only like a, about six months ago yeah. and didn't, were not able to deliver anything. And to your point, they knew because they're based in the EU, so anyone who flies from the EU or to the EU would have the EU compensation scheme. Exactly. They'd never paid. So, yes. meaning they didn't have the means to pay, but that's that's shady. That is shady. That's uh, yeah, and it and it sounds like that because it was part of this broader travel group, they the the directors of this org, of this company are are fine. They're still protected. They still have oh, yeah. their money, and they, they, oh, but yeah. they they just uh, you know one hopes that there's some sort of at least civil penalties for this to the those responsible, but it really doesn't sound like there will be. They say that they were due to be delivered some Airbus planes that were more fuel efficient because they had like, what, 767s and I don't remember. Yeah, okay. And maybe there was a little delay, but I mean, they were literally, if you just go back to their Twitter account, they were announcing a new route every 30 seconds. Yeah. It, it seems to me that they were like seeing what sticks. Yeah, spread betting. Announce anything and let's see if people buy it and then we'll figure out a way to actually put them in a plane. <sighs> it's like, it's not, it's completely, completely mismanaged for me. It's, it's hardly an excuse to me. And, and they mentioned in their final words, if you want, that they had a plane that was discarded for corrosion. Yeah. And I, w- I went on Flyer Talk and airliners. Nobody is able to figure out a plane that was supposedly discarded. Is that a outright lie? I don't know. That's in- yeah, because I was, I was going to mention that as well, that they lost capacity because they had to discard a plane for, for corrosion. But they had one of the youngest fleets in Europe. So I, there's something fishy about this whole thing. Every morning, they were just in the plus, and every afternoon, they would get in the minus. They were that close to bankruptcy for quite a long time, I'm sure, actually. And they were due to court in Denmark in a few days, actually. Oh, really? I didn't know because that. Of their, because of their labor practices. You know, they were basically saying, oh, no, but the, our crew is actually based there and there. And they were, like, trying to lower the cost base, obviously, of everything. And... I'm pretty sure that they would have lost. So did they announce bankruptcy? Because, okay, well, anyway, we're losing money. We have all this compensation to pay, plus we're due in court. Oh, F it. Let's just, know, yeah, yeah, torpedo the whole thing. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, honestly, I don't know. Anyway, too bad. And you know what? What pains me is the way they treated their, like we said earlier, the way they treated their employees. But some of these employees, actually quite a big number, were ex-monarch employees. Yeah, so they, oh, they double whammy. I mean, really, at least have the courtesy, the elegance of treating your employees on the way out in a proper manner. At least just drive them back home. I mean, you know, I mean, whatever. Yeah, uh, they they just, they, it's just. Disgusting. Yeah, that's exactly right. Disgusting. Like you said, they'll be fine. And and probably they will resurface in in three years with another company or something, right? Yeah, and will we be any wiser? No, because we'll see 49-pound flights to New York. Yeah, absolutely right. Uh, Talking about the very old aircraft, uh, for those who fly PA, they are extending their uh, wet lease with uh, Air Belgium, which is this very old A340. I think it's still to Abu Dhabi, so guys, avoid flying uh, BA to Abu Dhabi, because I'm sure that's the worst aircraft you can fly to. Uh, From zeros to hero, uh, that story, there was this sad also story about this massive Indonesian earthquake, followed even by a tsunami. Wow, that was the image is like pretty staggering. There was this air traffic controller at uh, the the, the, airport. 
Mutiarasisal Jufri Airport, uh, which is in Indonesia. The earthquake started. There's an aircraft on the ground. The runway is actually being divided in two. So you see the cracks. Yeah. The guy stays in tower to make sure that the aircraft leaves. And then thinking that the tower would actually crumble down, jumped out of the window and sadly later died of the injuries. But man, that's how you should behave. I'm not saying that you should die, but helping others and not leave. Yeah, he, he really is the definition of a hero because that plane would have been in, in bad shape if it had stayed where it was. And the rest of the tower was evacuated and it did start crumbling. And so, wow. boy, I mean, we'll talk about a brave guy. Yeah. Talking about shaking the Trent engine. <laughs> so I think you sent me the story. Uh, not only they have their current issues of trying to figure out what's wrong with the engine, they found another one, yet another one. Blades are deteriorating faster than accepted. There are additional groundings. There will be at least 120 engines affected. God, this story is never ending. It really is. It's been, it's been years now, too. So where does this go? What, what, what happens? I mean, you, you still fly out of Heathrow and there's Virgin ones and there's BA ones, any airport in the world, Tokyo, where I'll be in a few weeks is the same deal with A&A. Crazy. What a joke. But since in this podcast, we are equal opportunity and equal blaming, uh, since I just blame something that deals with uh, Boeing, I need to blame something that goes with Airbus. Airbus also has issues with the engine on their 320neo. It's actually United Technologies, so it's uh, Pratt & Whitney. So they also have, it's not as big as the one we just mentioned, but they will be also need to have checks and groundings. The big uh, problem here is that they are at capacity with their engine manufacturing, that Lufthansa says, well, we'll have to be on our own dealing with that issues for a few months until they can come back to us. So the fixes won't be, they must not be life-threatening otherwise, of course. They, yeah. uh, but they, the fixes won't be coming before November, December. Uh, so you see, every aircraft had its own teething issues. Um, Lufthansa has announced this, their new business class product. We mentioned it a few times. The one thing that I didn't know is that, Alex, that will actually be something that I would love there. <laughs> their seat will mold to your back. So when you are yeah. sleeping, and if you're one of these sleepers that sleeps on the side, the seat will actually absorb slightly your shoulder. So you're oh, really like kind one of, of those sort of foam memory mattresses. Yes. The, to me, the other thing that I love is that the the length of the lifeline seat will be 220 centimeters. So that's uh, what 87 inches, probably. It's really that's, long that's for someone tall. That is long. That's really cool for someone tall as me. Uh, and Turkish is also announcing its new business seat. Next year will be the same one you have in SAS, Qantas, or Delta one without the door. Hmm. Um, yeah, actually, let's go back two seconds on BA because we just mentioned at the very top of the show these getting rouged, right? Yeah. <laughs> it seems that uh, BA is doing a bit of the same with level, actually, because they are now replacing some of their traditional BA routes with level routes, which is not really, I don't know, they, they, the Barcelona, of course, they're all very uh, leisure destinations, Barcelona, Malaga, Venice, Ibiza, but Paris as well, Charles de Gaulle, uh, Larnaca, Alicante, Valencia, etc. Et et they're all, et they're going to be operated by level. What kind of airplane? 321s. Oh, that's interesting. So where are those planes coming from? That's what I'd like to know. Are they? Uh, Gatwick. Oh, oh, you mean which airline they're coming from? Yeah. Probably Iberia. Oh, Iberia. Right. Okay. That makes more sense. 
I don't know. I mean, uh, to be, I just made an assumption here. Some of our new Outsmart uh, listeners will correct me, but yeah, thank you, Beria. <laughs> but actually, you know what? You will know that it's level because what we said about getting rouged is exactly what Air France is doing and you're getting juned. Juned, uh, <laughs> yeah. Because they are actually now replacing, if you fly from Manchester, from, for instance, in the UK, uh, fly to Paris, you'll be actually in the June product. Same to Madrid, to San Martin. Okay, San Martin is, uh, we covered that in one episode, actually, is one yeah. of these. Uh, uh, but it still means that the difference of the product here is massive. Yeah. You have very old aircrafts uh, with June, but you, you still buy them on the Air France website, and probably it says operated by June. I mean, yeah, but you, it's, I don't think it's super fair, but anyway. no, it's not, as, uh, because they, that is always in the smallest text as well. And it's, it, depending on whatever OTA or even some of the airlines you use, they are not very obvious that it's um, this is the product you're going to be getting. Yeah, but come on, Alex, it's an airline for millennials. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh lord, I, I hate these kind of things. Talking about uh, still low cost, have you heard of the airline called Easy Sky or Easy Fly? I don't think I have. I hadn't either, but EasyJet clearly has, and he's going to court and saying the term "easy" is only ours and ours only. Which, to be fair, when you have something called Easy Sky, I don't know. If it's but in the same industry, I can understand being overprotective, but they are ruthless Easy Group as a whole with this type of thing. Exactly, because Netflix just announced a show called Easy, and Easy Jazz is going after them. Yeah, see, that's ridiculous. <laughs> I love, because Netflix... PR answered very uh, nicely. They said, viewers can tell the difference between a show they watch and a play they fly in. Yeah, exactly. And that's exactly <laughs> why I will get thrown out of any court that ha you know has any sense of integrity. <laughs> exactly. Have you seen, since we're talking about entertainment Netflix and entertaining news, that crazy, surreal Drew Barrymore interview by Egyptair? Uh, those are the perfect words, crazy and surreal. Uh, I, I don't what is that? It sounds like it was made up. The Drew Barrymore's PR people have said this interview never happened. The airline and the author, who is president or something to do with the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, says that it is legit. So I think probably the truth is in between. At first, I thought, is that a real bad translation? But come on, some of the stuff she says would have never... If, I, if I'm a publicist, I would never let her saying something like that and the sentences made no sense it, it really doesn't make any sense honestly but to your point there's uh, somebody called timothy caldas on twitter he flies a lot with egyptair and he says i've been collecting egyptair's magazine horus it's called for years and every single edition has a kind of stuff apparently the content is made up the grammar is completely effed up and there's a lot of fake interviews so apparently if you fly at gpr hilarious crazy, right? is it i don't know if it's hilarious or disturbing but <laughs> i know that's the definition of fake news or fake airline news yeah, or fake airline geez. content news i don't know <laughs> well so yeah so we are about to go to the airport uh, in zurich first uh, swiss since uh, you flew first uh, you flew first you flew swiss I uh if you fly now to geneva so i told you guys that geneva swiss uh, including with the bombardier or sorry a220 uh, you had a different food option i'm going to ask you about your food experience but the food option is a 
sandwiches. You can also have uh, ask in that's especially of course if you are in economy, you can have uh, food being delivered to you at the gate prior to boarding in Geneva. A lot of airports are starting to adopt this, and I think it's a really good idea. As yeah, long as you, uh, there's a massive but on this, which is if it's some stinky ass, uh, <laughs> you know, whatever <laughs> you it know, might be. I think consider your I, fellow passenger. But I think they're doing this. Airports are taking over because they will be able to limit that. Because yeah, if you do it on your own, you will take the stinky, you know, like curry on yeah, the pizza. Which for me is uh, fine, but it might, may not be fine for everybody. <laughs> so, yeah, no, absolutely. so how was your flight with Swiss? Yeah, really. I again, like you said at the top of the show, it was it was really impressive. That airplane is great. The service was friendly and attentive, and of course, I loved the chocolate. Uh, uh-huh. In economy on the CS one hundred, I feel like the chocolate was bigger. No, no, no. Never mind. I'm sorry. I'm thinking of the the chocolate they have in the lounge. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. But I love that little touch. Um, I was in economy on the way over, but I noticed that on the CS100, there's no divider. Curtain. There's just a sign that's stuck in the back of one of the seats saying this is yep. where business class starts. I'm wondering if it's either because the, and I, I think it does, that shouldn't be the case, the overhead bins are slightly asymmetrical. So maybe, it maybe was that's just, what it is. Or simply they say, you know, it's just a cost thing. So, you know what? It's just like, we'll just stop whenever we have the more, only, more So the only differentiator there is the service. I think they block the seat next to you. Yeah, yeah. They which do, is, yeah. you know, that is what it is. And it was fine. Lovely big uh, windows. I thought the service was great. I thought the food was was great. Again, it's sort of a um, a salad or, or or cold cuts, delicious, fine. Zurich Airport. I think we were one of the last flights to arrive before the airport sort of yeah, there's a curfew, wound yeah. down. We arrived at maybe half past eleven at night, and it was a remote stand. But again. Very easy in and out of the the e gates, no problem at all. You we, are the e ah oh, sorry the e yeah, sorry oh no yeah the the, the electronic no, gates e the, e, the electronic gates, gates. Oh, so sorry sorry they oh okay yeah. yeah so that was that was fine it was a very swift arrivals process and of course <laughs> getting getting to Zurich proper from from Zurich Airport is a joy yeah yeah because you it basically is, right? buy a single ticket and you can get on any form of public transport you want any of the trains. Any of the trams, if you want to go slower, and, and you taught me this, and we experienced this. Any of the buses, if if that's what you feel like doing, but it's like it's a twelve minute journey on the train to the train, yeah, to Zurich Hauptbahnhof, right in the middle of town. And what what a wonderful experience! But the best part about that airport, by far, <laughs> is I know. the observation deck, which you yeah, which you pay to enter. It's airside. And it was five francs to enter. You go through the same level of security that scrutiny that you would if you were a passenger. Yeah. So sorry to interrupt. It means that anyone in Zurich or anywhere can go. It's public access. Yeah. Right? And with it's, being only it, twelve minutes from the city center, if you're even remotely interested in planes, or you have kids that are, go because it basically takes up the bottom floor, entire bottom floor of one of the piers for want of a better word with the gates Mm -hmm. and it's got i don't know when the last did you go when you were here last time no to the deck no no i was just uh, the last time i went this is why i asked you actually because the last time i went was more than a year ago so i wanted to see if that if it's changed a little bit it's so good because it wraps all the way around and at the very end you're sort of standing looking at one of the runways 
Yeah. And it's got a kid's play area with trampolines, which Greg spent a lot of time on. It's, <laughs> it's got these incredible, you know, when you go to any tourist area with a, with yeah. a vista, these, yeah. these binocular things that you look at. But mm-hmm. these were, had augmented reality. So you could point it at an airplane and it would tell you what it was. This is so freaking amazing. Yeah, and as well as uh, as well as um, points of interest on the airport and beyond. So you could point at an airplane as it was taxiing, and it would tell you it's this type of airplane, this airline going from here to there, at every gate because there were planes taxiing up to you. There was a an LCD screen saying what the airplane was, what airline, when's it go, where's it going, who's coming next. This is crazy. Wow. It was so good. And then inside there's a cafe and a little shop full of things where they sell Paul. They sell the uh the drinks trolleys. <laughs> so yeah, I did yeah, think yeah, of you yeah, when yeah. I saw that. But I it, Yeah, these ones are very expensive. I mean these ones yeah, are very expensive. very expensive. So that's why I'd rather buy an old trolley from you know discarded one and yeah. refurbish it myself because but they really look good. They they look good and it was it was what a what a fun thing to have. And it was a great place for us to go out and take pictures and film of course. for the episode. Uh, yeah, because uh, yeah, if you didn't realize, guys, he was doing an episode in Zurich. I couldn't be there, sadly, at the same time. We missed each other because I had too much work. But uh, but you're, you have you Rico, your friend, it. now my friend. Uh, oh, Rico, Rico Weider. Hi, Rico. Rico, thank you. you. Very generous with his time and his expertise and his enthusiasm. <laughs> Took us around and, and we went to Sterner Grill, which was amazing. Ah, I love Delicious place. sausage there. But... I was, you talk about that airport a lot with a great deal of enthusiasm. I can absolutely see why it is incredibly well appointed, great amenities, great shopping, sensibly laid out, easy to get around, obviously well connected that like the train station is built into the airport, much similar to Amsterdam. I was impressed. I, I will now try and find those those great fares going out of Zurich because it's so easy to get to and it's so easy to get through as well. Yeah, exactly. I think it's both an uh, an airport that is very easy to deal with your original destination or uh, evidently as a as a layover. I mean, the the only difference is as a layover there's no not yet e-gates, but the immigration desks are almost empty every time. And there's always like literally five open and there's, there's the queue might be one person in front of you, so it's not not a problem yet, which is probably why they haven't actually installed these uh, e-gates yet for yeah. So yeah, um, just guys, go on something like Foursquare and look at the reviews of Zurich airports. It's not to be me saying that because you know I've I have a Swiss passport, so people will have will say that Paul is over exaggerating its quality. Uh, I've never seen such an organized, clean, and speedy airport. It's so clean you could eat from the floor. Yeah, that's that's Zurich Airport for you. I mean, it's it's very. I'm not. Would I say it's beautiful? I don't know because it's very minimalist. The colors is gray, white, black, and a little bit of wood. The one cool thing about it is that whenever there's a Swiss logo which is red, it's really striking because it's completely you know contrasting. But it's very well laid out, very clean, very... Although it's not new, this airport has been around for a very long time, especially the Gates A, which is when you arrive, especially with a train, which, to your point, is maybe the only bit which can be for people who go there the first time a bit disconcerting because if you arrive by train, and I'm not saying by car, nor by the tramway, because tramway, you're on the ground. Yes. And then you walk and you're basically in the airport. By car, same, you're in the terminal. When you are in the train, you literally arrive in something that is a, both a train station and a mall 
I mean, a lot of U.S. malls. We have a lot of shops, including there are a lot of everything. shops. Yeah, and you can, and that's the thing. You can already check in, but you are actually still in the railway station. But you can already check in, or you can opt to actually take the uh, the elevators and or the the escalators and go to the actual check ins of the airport. So when people arrive there for the first time, some people will say, "What am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to check in here? I'm still seemingly in a railway station." Yes, you are, but it's everything is linked. And so that gives you the choice in switzerland as i told you guys i think many episodes ago if you do fly swiss you can usually check in your luggage from the train station you're leaving from so it doesn't have to be zurich or geneva airport it could be from the mountain directly you checking there you hand out your luggage and then you don't have to deal with it anymore yeah it's actually a pretty cool thing to do so that's maybe the only slightly confusing bit about that airport then you arrive of course in the main airport uh, which they call it as long as you're uh, land side it's called the airport center again malls and shops and check-ins and baggage drop and then when you pass security which is pretty also well done you arrive in the airside center so you gates a and this is where you have also well shops and this part is very well done to your point alex you cannot actually go to observation deck B, which is the one you visited, if you're already in airside. Airside, yeah. you have to go back out. There is though a little cafe next to the these A gates, B gates. You have a little cafe. It's called a sports bar. It's pretty uh, new. It's been open maybe a year now. You can see the apron. You have one aircraft right in front of you. It's actually pretty yeah. cool. And there is, for me, what is the best feature of that airport? It's the uh, E gates, the uh, gates E, sorry, that's because we, that's why we had this confusion earlier. So the flagship where you'll have the long haul flights leaving from, you'll see the Singapore, the United, the Cathay, the Swiss, the big birds, you know, the 777s, et cetera, they will be flying from there. You have to take a, a little train that goes under one of the runways, but you can access it even if you don't have a flight leaving from there, but you just have a few hours or even like an hour, because again, it's a very efficient airport. You have also an observation deck on the these gates E on the top, both from the lounges. There are superb lounges there. I'll particularly like the Senator one uh, from uh, Swiss, but there are others. The Aspire one is actually pretty well done as well. And or you can simply go, you have parts of these observation deck open to a ticketed passenger, no matter where you are. And these, you have not only the, you see the big birds because they're very close to you, obviously, because they're parked in front of you, but you see two, if I'm not mistaken, out of the three runways, including one just, just in front of you. So you see the landings and already take off. Yeah, it's a very cool one. That's the one thing is that that runway, that that is sort of behind the airport almost yes. you don't see from the observation deck so you don't always see all of this the, the heavy stuff the runway that basically goes between these e gates and the main a b uh, d gates on the other side is you'll probably see more to 320s yeah and smaller aircraft the longer runway is but you can see it from the e gates but you have to be on that's the only way you can see that's it sort of because, northeast yeah. side Correct. Absolutely. We had a reason, uh, kind of an interesting experience because we took a helicopter flight. And Aha! I was about to ask you that. We had to meet the pilot at the executive jet center, which is in the kind of western part of the airport. Yep. It's a substantial facility, as one would imagine at Zurich Airport. They need uh, they need that, and you have it, it's got its own security. It's got its own customs area, and we met him there. And then went through security, went through this sort of 
airlocky type thing where they, you know, for, for customs. And then we got into a minibus and we drove for at least 15 minutes wow. around the entire outside of the airport, all the way around to the south airside the whole time over to the far northwest corner of the airport, which is where the almost along the perimeter fence, which is where they park executive jets that aren't in transit as well as uh, the helicopters. And so we were able to go in in over there and then take off directly to the to the west. We weren't able to fly over the airport, but it really showed you how big that airport was. And some of the um, the jets there were just crazy. <laughs> I, the, the craziest time of the year, if you want to see amazing jets, is Davos. You know, the World Economic oh, Forum yeah, meeting course. in the uh, end of January. You go at Zurich Airport. They actually almost run out of place to put all these private jets because you have all these, you know, the leaders of the world and the leaders of the big uh, firms that are flying there. And you see all these stuff parked there. And you're like, holy cow, what is happening here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what it felt. I mean, there was, I posted a video on Instagram of us coming in and you could see that area was completely full of, wow. of very, very, very high end jets because there's a, there's a row where they do it near the compass rows for, for the calibrations that they do. Behind that, there's a parking space yeah. for smaller private jets as well. Wow, yeah. So the airport has just below 30 million passengers a year now, so it's been increasing uh, quite uh, systemically. Maybe is it 27? I don't remember the number, guys, but I just look it up. So it's a pretty big operation, yeah. but it doesn't feel like it when you're inside. Because no, not at all. It feels very smooth. They've... they've, they've They've segmented it really nicely. So the area that I was in that you mentioned where that that newer Swiss lounge is. That's the, so sorry to interrupt. So that's the, the airside center, but where you are, you're closer to the A gates, which is the original, the first terminal, if you want, yeah. uh, where all the gates are. And this is the lounge I was talking about in the last episode. And you've, you've seen, did you, did you like it? Yeah, I thought it was an, an excellent lounge. I love that it has a quiet zone. As well, I'm a big fan of those, and you don't have somebody yapping away on their phone or, or <laughs> listening to music or or videos or whatever. Uh, yeah, and I and, and but because it's on two levels, and because you yes. have that open, you're on an atrium level at the top. I'm talking about the terminal, not the lounge. Mm-hmm. It feels compact and quiet and not overwhelming and not loud and then the gates you go through it to the non-schengen area so that's also very clever because echo this is the the b gates and the d gates and i think i've said it also like maybe seven ten year episodes ago actually the stands on which let's say stands 33 it's the same stand it's b33 and d33 so if you're non-schengen you're actually on the lower ground and you're getting to the same aircraft if you were in schengen and that aircraft so for them for to turn around it's very easy so it's the same gate just that you're segregated in i think it's a very clever design i do too i do too it definitely impressed me it's so well thought out and you can see why it's such a popular place to do a layover yeah, I know that I've been boring and I'm going to try to stop talking about Zurich from now on because that's why let's do it an episode because I think it's really one for its size because we're not talking 80 million passengers, but we're not either talking like 2 million passengers. No. It's very well run. You're never lost. You can arrive pretty late and still make the aircraft, of course, not as late probably as a Lucy, but clearly, but because it's a bigger airport in, yeah. in, in its size, but it's very well done. And and to Alex's point, if you are there, besides your observation deck, you have tons of guided tours you can do. You can do guided tours of the tower. The, an actual retired pilot will give you like a tour of the and explain what the people are doing 
landing and our aircraft is landing. You can do a bus tour. You can rent buses yeah. and actually do the same thing you've done probably a little bit to actually go to your uh, helicopter with a bus and having also someone giving you, like explaining you what happens. You have the two observation decks I mentioned. And you can also, this is really cool, you can rent uh, rollerblades or bikes and do a tour, which is, of course, specified. You cannot go on the runway, clearly, right. and actually see planes from outside. And you can rent them at Zurich Airport. It's part of the facility. See, I love airports that are part of the community. They're yeah. saying, okay, we've built this thing. It's expensive. It makes a lot of noise. They have a lot of noise restrictions, actually. This is why it closes like at 1130 or whatever. But they are trying to make it as that you can go like for uh, a leisure activity, even if you're never flying. And I find that very cool. I do too. I, I was I was so impressed by it. I thought it was a, a great airport. So now what else? What else? What else? Uh, we have a lot of next flights coming up, which also is the big question mark. When will we be able to uh, release another one? Yeah. Uh, what, where, so you're going, what? You mentioned what? RD to Vegas. So you probably I'm doing, no, I'm doing uh, London. I'm doing... Heathrow, Vegas, Vegas, Chicago, Chicago, Heathrow next and then, week. And, and then, then stuff, right? yeah, and then Hong Kong oh, yes. on Cathay on A350 and then up to Ishigaki on Hong Kong Express. Back, come back for a day over to Japan, to Tokyo on ANA. And then from Shizuoka to Sapporo, which I'm interested in trying and then and then back home again. So that's almost three and a half weeks, basically, um, because in each place he's staying, he's not going to Hong Kong for one day, Shigaki for one day, in Japan for two days. And I have a lot. I mean, this month, I'm going to Berlin, I'm going to Serbia, I'm going to Amsterdam, I'm going to Paris, I'm going to Madrid. I mean, and then I'm going, I'm starting also long haul as well. And I, t to be frank, we don't know what we're going to be able to record because Alex will be on the road, I'll be on the road. We'll try to do something, but he, you might. So let's just, make sure you might have to wait for up to a month before we have yeah, our next that's, episode that's, uh... I'll, we'll try to do our best but we really are busy it's a very busy time of the year every year actually if you look at every year this is a time when our episode uh, schedules starts to crumble down a bit <laughs> Yeah. So, well, oh, and I'm going to Athens as well for a travel event. Uh, and, you know, Tokyo so, so, Tokyo is cool because it could be, uh, maybe, uh, maybe I'll be there. Maybe I don't. I don't know. Maybe we'll actually meet there. We'll see. Uh, a surprise for you guys. You know that Tokyo is the, because I think we talked about that a few episodes ago, that, the, that Uber was trying to think about launching their, you know, Uber flying taxi thing, their yes. retail thing. Yes. And they are actually are thinking that Tokyo could be the launch city and you would be flying from literally flying from Narita to the center somewhere, a rooftop, I guess, in the center with something like that. I don't know if it's for Haneda, but at least Narita could be the one because it's a little bit further out. I mean, it's not going to be there next month, but that would be so cool, man. So science fiction. That it's would so, be very cool. So Tokyo, actually, like um, what you expect of a like futuristic city. I don't know. Yes. But that would be really fantastic. Well, yeah, I think that's it for this episode. Uh, uh, we've talked a, a whole lot. I'm sure we forgot a lot of stuff that you told us, guys, and I'm sure you've got a lot of news that we could have told you guys. We'll have a lots of flights, which means our next episode will be Paul and Alex are traveling in planes talking about them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and up to that, safe travel, guys. Safe travels, guys. Safe travels, guys.